Okay, here we go. Robert Nauer, CPCM, CPPO, here for another podcast. I believe this is episode number nine in my contracting series. It's kind of an extemporaneous one. Um, one that sometimes I am reluctant to talk about, but I do think it needs some discussion. It, it borders on ethics, too, but what it deals with is in the federal government and military, the just sheer access to classified information, whether it be confidential, secret, top secret, or compartmentalized. They don't hand out clearances like they used to in the old days when I was in. I think the highest I ever had was a secret clearance. But In government contracting, depending upon who you work for, if you work for DARPA, a lot of the work you do is top secret. If you work for the Army, the Navy, or the Air Force on unique programs, it may be top secret even to compartmentalize. If you work for the CIA, it probably is compartmentalized unless it's routine buys. So there is so much access to classified information in the government. And we make the dire assumption, a really bad assumption, that all contracting specialists and contracting officers, contract administrators are ethical, abide by their standards of conduct, and don't break the law. But the number one reality is that, especially in this day and age, a lot of Americans and a lot of government employees are in financial straits. They're in difficult financial times. Sometimes you buy more than you need. You buy cars you don't really need. You buy a house that overextends you, it's too big, you don't really need the size you bought, but you do it anyway, whether it be because your wife wanted a bigger house and the prestige, or because you did, or because you wanted to be keep up with the Joneses, but whatever the case. In my own particular case, I got myself in uh, dire straits at one time simply because I was naive, and I relied on a um, guy who said he wanted to buy my condo our condo in Virginia Beach, but he didn't want to buy it personally. He wanted his company, his LLC, to buy it. That's a really bad idea. I understand it does go on. In fact, I just sold one of my homes recently to an LLC, but it was different. It was to um, an 80-year-old woman and a 75-year-old husband and who did it for tax purposes, and we researched the background. Why? Why did we research their background to make sure this one was okay? One, probably because our real estate agent, never rely on your real estate agent. They don't do shit. They don't check anything. You need to vet them. You need to do a background research, check out police records, check out uh, neighbors, talk to people about them, go on the web, find out as much information as possible. With that couple, we understood that it was okay because of the simple fact they were elderly. But the one that got us in trouble was a 35-year-old con artist uh, who purported to be very well off, and he just wanted to buy our property for rental property. That should have been one red flag right there. We ended up selling uh, our condo to his LLC uh, on an assumption back, back in the old days. The VA did not require any validation or proof for clearance for assumptions of mortgages. Very easy for con artists to find people who just wanted to dump their property and get on with life in someplace else and assume their mortgage. But the problem is, if you don't vet the people who are assuming your mortgage, uh, what they can do and what he did was he assumed the property. We had moved. 
and and it wasn't until six months later we found out he had never made one single payment on that VA loan, and so as a uh, so we ended up getting a, a foreclosure letter in the mail, and I said foreclosure, and and they were coming after me and my wife for twenty seven thousand dollars, the amount of the VA's uh, protection, and I said I don't have that kind of money at that time. I was just a young person, just recently out of the Navy, and uh, that's how Marcy Captor, Congresswoman Captor. Uh, and I got involved, and I, along with a lot of other people, persuaded her to in- introduce a bill that would require mortgage lenders to vet uh, people who you were going to allow to assume your VA loan. So today, it, it's very much more difficult for somebody to assume a VA loan unless they uh, meet all kinds of requirements. So to make a long story short, that particular situation put me and my wife in a very dire financial situation. Yeah, I had a good job. She had a good job. Nevertheless, 1984-85, I was only making $56,000 a year at the time, and my wife only maybe twenty-eight thirty. And with that debt plus the new debt we had just taken on and a new house, uh, we were going to go bankrupt. So it really put put a hurting on me that little red flag on the on the or devil on my shoulder i need money i need money so the point i want to make here is that in government we don't have enough investigators and auditors and we should we need more not less for some strange reason the gop congressman republican congressman they want to have the federal government get rid of all auditors and all special agents and all investigators because one they don't want to be investigated and they don't want their clients their lobbyists investigated the democrats on the other hand they're perfectly fine with having more investigators and federal auditors and especially for the irs and we do need them because there are so many cheats cons and and scam artists in the world my next door neighbor in the villages is a doctor who's 95 years old and he's taking six thousand dollars a week from a chiropractor under the table with no 1099, not paying any taxes on it, not withholding any federal taxes at all, um, because he's a crook and because the chiropractor is a crook. And he uses this 95-year-old doctor in Florida, uh, which they get away with this shit all the time, uh, basically to issue uh, pain prescriptions for OxyContin and other uh, bad drugs, but it's legitimate because they have an old 95-year-old doctor doing it. So the point to make here is that we need more investigators and auditors and special agents, not less. And the other point is that when we are talking about federal contracting, especially today, there are many, many more young, fledgling uh, contract specialists who are borderline financial crisis or borderline cases where they're getting themselves into financial debt so much that they may have the tendency to do something illicit, wrong, commit a criminal act by taking that classified information that we entrust them with and giving it to bad actors or taking that classified or confidential information about, say, staffing levels or requirements on a contract early so that a competing contractor who's willing to make under-the-table illicit payments or can uh, get inside information in advance of the procurement because this is information that only the contract specialist would have 
And it is so easy. It is so, so easy because nobody ever does any background checking. Nobody ever does any financial checking. We have what's called an SF-450 that annually we have to fill out as contract specialists and contracting officers that we list all of our revenue, our debts and liabilities and, and any other assets we have. But if you're receiving under the pay, uh, table payments, illicit payments, you're not going to list those on your SF-450 to be vetted. And as I told you in a previous podcast, the one time I had done that, uh, listed my father's assets because I was his guardian, uh, they made me divest my father's stock in Lockheed Martin simply because of the conflict of interest. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about illicit payments. Nobody's ever going to list those on an SF-450. Exactly the reason we need more criminal investigators, auditors, and special agents to be able to look into and peer into the bank accounts and activities of federal contract employees and contractors so we can see, well, where did this $200,000 payment? The guy only makes 60000 a year, and all of a sudden he receives a $200,000 deposit in his bank or in his credit union. Where the hell did that come from? There's nobody looking at that kind of shit. And as a result, it's very easy for a bad contractor or somebody who wants to get access to classified or secret or confidential information on a federal government contract to do so very easily if a federal employee can be compromised. And one of the easiest ways for any federal employee or military officer or non-com to be compromised is to be in financial crisis. So we need to be able to do more, not less, investigations of those who are buyers, contract specialists, contract administrators, contracting officers, and program managers. Oh yes, and program managers are the top of the food chain, and they also have access to all of this top secret, secret, and confidential information and can also corrupt a program that costs billions and billions of dollars as well as the lives of every American citizen and do not think that it happens. Recently, I had a Chinese friend tell me, and she's an American citizen today, but she seems to owe her allegiance, and she is a federal employee, she seems to owe her allegiance to China still because she said to me, in the very near future, we are going to own you meaning China, we are going to make you suffer. And I thought, wow, this is a federal employee saying this kind of shit. And I thought, but there's nothing that, you know, she has a really bad attitude and she's saying this, but why why does she owe such a, why is she saying this about the federal government and Americans? Needless to say, she's no longer my friend. But anyway, with federal employees that are in financial extremists, financial crisis because they're overextended with debt, when you see a federal employee who normally drove a Toyota Corolla or a low-level Lexus or a Ford F-150, all of a sudden come driving around in a brand-new Jaguar XKE or a Bentley that costs $220,000, and that's minimum, then that should raise such red flags to anybody and everybody and you should report that kind of person. If you see that, you should call the Defense Criminal Investigative Service or the Naval Criminal Investigative Service or the FBI and say, hey, I'm a coworker of so-and-so and I don't want to, uh, I want to remain anonymous, but I got to tell you, I just recently noticed that my uh, coworker 
came driving into work with a brand new Bentley. That should be such a red flag, and the FBI should investigate that. The Defense uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations, OSI, all of them should investigate these kinds of situations, these kinds of red flags. So consequently, when a federal employee or a military officer or person gets themselves into financial extremists, they will, by natural course of selection, start looking for avenues or ways to acquire money to pay off that debt. And the one way they will do it is not legally, but illegally, by taking that classified information, compartmentalized information, confidential information, and offering it up for sale. We have seen this time and time again through the last 40 years where Pentagon workers have offered very sensitive top secret information to our uh, bad actors such as China and Russia. John Walker uh, sold out his country and sold out every American pilot in Vietnam. We've had many CIA agents actually do this, which is why they're supposed to give uh, polygraphs to CIA agents every single year, if not couple months to see if bad things are going on and if they're lying. But we do not do that to federal employees, and we do not do that to contracting specialists, and we damn sure should, because in this day and age where not only is the country on the verge of collapse with outstanding, staggering debt, almost every federal employee that's working as a contracting specialist is borderline corrupt uh, with their finances and overextended. And they have the ability with this access to classified confidential information to be able to sell it and make lots of money so long as it doesn't go into a bank account and they keep it hidden and it must be cash payments. Truly, that's the only way to hide it. Then again, when an employee starts being flashy, wearing clothes they never wore, driving cars and wearing jewelry, expensive jewelry that they never had, taking lots and lots of trips that they were never ever able to before, those things should be such red flags that if you're a patriotic American, you should be calling the FBI or some criminal investigative agency and telling them about it. And also observing and taking down as much information as possible about the who, what, where, and when of this employee that may be compromised. So this is what I'm talking about. And there is no federal employee other than a contracting 1102, contract specialist, contract administrator, contracting officer. Oh, and I left out grant specialists too. Grant specialists and grant officers also throw them in there. They're 1101s. And program managers, all of these people should be highly scrutinized, at least annually, in my own personal beliefs because of my own personal experience. It is my personal belief that all federal employees that are working as contract specialists or contracting officers on any contract over $1 million in value should receive a polygraph every single year. Now, in the FBI, if you fail a polygraph, you're gone. In the Secret Service, if you fail a polygraph, you're gone. Or you may be sidelined, and then you take another polygraph, and you're gone. I honestly believe, regardless of all the educational and training that's required of an 1102 contract specialist, that if you can't pass that polygraph, you have too much to hide and you need to be shit-canned out of government. We need government to be a place where 
the sanctity of government, the sanctity of the taxpayers, the protection of our national defense is of utmost importance. And let me tell you, if there's any congressman that listen to this, get off your fucking ass and pass a law that requires an annual polygraph of every single federal contract specialist. And now that I've been talking about federal contract specialists that can be compromised, the same is also true of municipal and state and local employees working in government contracting. They, too, can be just as compromised as a federal contract specialist. So think about it and and think about if you happen to be a contract specialist or an 1102 or going to become an 1102, about the high standards of procurement integrity, the high levels of personal integrity, the high levels of ethics and standards of conduct that you need to maintain in order to be safe, secure in your own well-being as such a person. You need to be of such high character that you never allow yourself to be compromised. And so with that, uh, if anybody would like to chime in and say anything on the podcast about this, feel free to comment on it. I accept comments, and if you're wanting me to talk about other topics in contracting, more than happy to. I'm going to probably do eight or nine more episodes about federal contracting, state and local contracting like this uh, that I feel need to be brought to the attention of American citizens uh, so and Congress people so that we can do a better job, be a better country, be a better people. And after this, then I'm going to start a new podcast about some of the novels that I've written and some of the uh, personal people kind of situations that I've seen over the years now that I'm 70 years old. So with that, Bob out.